0: Welcome to the WP Tonic podcast, where each week, Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP
1: Tonic show. This is episode 544. We've got a returning guest, a friend of the show, somebody that I follow myself. We've got Joe Casabola with us. Um, We're going to be talking about all things um, around podcasting. He's just published a book. He's a WordPress developer, educator, podcaster, a video maker, the list, the list just goes on and on and on for you. So Joe, um, sorry, I totally destroyed your surname, but I do that literally to every guest that comes on the show. So don't take it too personally. It's a total failing of mine. But would you quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers, Joe?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And first of all, uh, no, no problem there. Teaching in the classroom, I would have to say many surnames uh, out loud without first having to uh, having the ability to ask them. So. No worries there. Uh, so, as you said, my name is Joe Casabona. I do maybe too much, but my primary focuses are... Only, on, only a little bit, Only a little it? bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, my focuses are on um, podcasting. Uh, I work a lot in the WordPress space, teaching uh, how to build websites, uh, both with and without code. And I create online courses and videos. Actually, this year, I, I told myself... Um, there's a, I don't know if you've heard of the, the yearly theme. Um, this was started by or, or maybe popularized by um, CGP Gray and Mike Curly over at the Cortex podcast. Um, but my theme of this year was the year of consistency. Um, and I wanted to be consistent with putting out content. So I think every week this year, I've done a blog post, uh, a podcast episode, and uh, a, a YouTube video. And the YouTube video is challenging, but... Um, yeah, so I guess to sum up everything I do, I create content. And it's good content. I
1: listen to your podcasts. I watch your videos. Um, you're doing a great job. So um, over to my co-host, Stephen. Stephen, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to listeners and viewers?
3: Yeah, my name's Stephen from Zipfish.io. We make WordPress fast by not only optimizing the servers that your WordPress site runs on, but also the code that powers the site itself.
1: That's great. And before we go into the main part of the interview, I just want to mention one of our great sponsors, and that's Kinsta, Kinsta Hosting. Kinsta's been the major sponsor of the show for now over two years. They've been great to work with. They're a great hosting provider that only specialise in WordPress hosting. If you've got a WooCommerce site, for yourself or for a client, a learning management system, anything that needs extra power and resources, go over to Kinster. They offer really premier WordPress hosting support technology, the whole stack. So go over to Kinster, tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic show, have a look at their um, packages, and I suggest that you should buy one for yourself or for your clients. So let's go on to it. So we were discussing some of the main, because obviously Joe um, does so much in so many parts to Joe's activities. So um, we were discussing which bits we're going to discuss during the show and we decided we'd start off with podcasting. So you've been um doing some videos around podcasting. I mentioned one of them that I've watched recently myself, and you've been delving into the mechanics and that. so you got any are there any tips and insights that you would like to start off with around podcasting that like you'd like you would like to share with the listeners and viewers?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I think the, the first thing, uh, obviously people who are listening to this know what a podcast is. Uh, but it, the last set of statistics that we had, uh, at least in America, just over half of Americans know what a podcast is and, and listen. So um, uh, the first thing I would say is that to those who listen to podcasts, it seems like podcasting is a saturated space, like there are so many, but uh, the, the statistic that I like to throw out there is there are 31 million YouTube channels uh, and there are less than 1 million active podcasts. So if you are thinking about starting a podcast, I would say now is you're still getting in early. Now is a great time to do it because it's easier than ever and there are lots of resources to help you start a podcast.
1: Well, it's funny because I was also looking at the facts around YouTube and I I just want to put this statement to you, see if you, before I hand it over to Stephen, is now obviously um, Google makes money from monetization. They will only allow you to monetize your site until you get 5,000 subscribers to your YouTube channel. Um, I... They don't publicly say this, this. is coming from me, basically. I think, I think the struggle is to get to that five thousand mark where you can monetize the videos, because that's that's when Google is actually probably going to share your videos a bit more. And if you've got consistency and all the other things, you probably then to start to get some traction. But it's that slog to get to that five thousand mark. Would you agree with what I just said, Joe?
2: Yeah, it's. Let me tell you, I uh, I had uh, less of a hard time building a a following for my podcast than I did for YouTube because YouTube is tough. You you got to figure out what people actually want to watch. Uh, you got to figure out the YouTube algorithm and how they're sharing things. And yeah, you got to get to that subscriber mark if you want to throw uh, ads there. So it's it's some combination because I've been watching uh, my when can I monetize dial go up? Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's some combination of number of subscribers plus public watch hours. Uh, so it's not just like... Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a combination, sorry. Right. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, so it's like you get some number of subscribers, but, you know, you could buy those subscribers, I guess. But they want to make sure people actually want to watch your content before they're throwing ads on there, which I think is interesting because... Uh, I suspect they're more stringent about who can monetize than than who can pay them to, to throw that up there. Uh sorry, Google, don't be mad at me. Please monetize my videos. <laughs> please, please,
1: sir. Can I have some more? Can you monetize my videos, sir? Please. It's like it is like Oliver Twist, aren't we? Living in an age of Dickens, aren't we, Joe? Uh,
2: yeah, absolutely. I shared a uh, something with my newsletter about uh Google. Uh, changing their their, um, algorithm a little bit to focus on blocks of content, right? So like snippets of content that answer specific questions uh, so that they can just show them on the search page. And uh, as much as I dislike that because they're taking traffic away from the websites, I'm going to do it because you got to... It's their game. It's their playground, you know? So um, that's... It was... uh, I just... I thought that was interesting you know i'm like i don't like this but i'm gonna do it because i want to show up in google yeah over to you steven
3: yeah you got to play their game no matter what like it's either play their game or you're gonna get you know not ranked as high and i think like what's interesting is like that dichotomy between me as a user and me as a content creator like as a user love snippets as a content creator hate snippets and uh it's just interesting like living in those two worlds um since you have like you know, your different channels that you broadcast stuff out to your YouTube and your podcast and your email newsletter and the various sites that you run, um, how much do you tailor the content specifically to that channel versus having a theme that kind of everything unites around?
2: That's a great question. And uh, for me, it's, um, I basically try to cover the same topics, uh, but I try to do it, um, in a way that is, uh, tailored to the medium, right? So for blog posts, for example, if I'm blogging about podcasting, uh, it's, it's going to be more advice driven, right? Four ways to monetize your podcast, right? Um, with, uh, with YouTube, it's going to be more visual stuff. So here's how I manage my sponsors, right. And in, in WordPress, or here's this custom plugin I wrote. Uh, and then for the podcast specifically, um, this is where I probably spend the most time planning my content, right? With with the blog and with YouTube, I have an air table, basically, with ideas that I've come up with, and I generally prioritize them based on what I'm trying to promote at that time. Uh, but with the podcast, because I I try to do things so far in advance, um, I come up with a uh, a, basically a theme for the next 25 episodes. Um, And generally that's like my season, right? So season nine uh, right now is how to be consistent with writing content and ideas for content. So if you look back at, you know, the last bunch of episodes, there's some twist around that writing content to build your mailing list or building a resource site. I, um, I think I'm spoiling next week's episode, uh, building a resource site to make money, stuff like that. So, um, and and for the next season, I'm working on kind of how to stay productive while working from home, right? Which is, I didn't think would be timely at, at this point, but it still is. So um, to answer your question around the content I make, I reach out mostly to, to interviewees or, or possible guests for my podcast, but, I'll also every month or so have a solo episode where I go deep on a topic that's generally, again, related to something I'm trying to promote. So my podcast course or my done for you service or, um, you know, my my membership for Site Builders, whatever course I'm rolling out at that time.
3: How do you manage all these various different brands that you kind of have? Like you have the like createcourses.com stuff, the how I built it, um, your different channels, like, do you treat this as like you are the brand or do each of these brands have their own sort of kind of entity? I just find it interesting when you have so many things going on, like how, how do you balance that? It's always like a really tricky place to be in, I find.
2: Yeah. And it's something I've really struggled with. Uh, I made a decision last year that all of my content would go on Casabona.org and I would link to these various places. Right. So I am the brand. Um, But now I'm rethinking that I actually hired a, somebody to help me with a little bit of PR. Um, And so I had to fill out her assessment and I had to really, I'm like, you know, I'm paying her to do this. I want to make sure I do it right. What, what do I want to be known for? How do I want to funnel things like that? Uh, How do I redo the messaging? And so. (laughs) (laughs) So I've, I've settled on, um, I still believe I'm the brand for most of these But now I think I have very clear audiences, right? So for podcast liftoff is my signature course and done for you service. Obviously as people who want to start podcasts, creator courses, I was like a little bit of a house divided because I sell all of my courses a la carte. And then I have the membership. Um, But I decided I'm really going to push the membership, which is for site builders or people who want to build websites without knowing a lot of code. So that's where all of my messaging went. Uh I again I still funnel all of the content through Casabona.org um through like various automations and things like that. But I hope that answered your question because I, I really do struggle with that. I feel like oh, I, do. I I see them as,
1: as I see them as your digital children. Yeah. And you're you're the daddy. You're the daddy they're the, they're the little children. So they have a lot of D, your DNA in them, but they're also Alive in their own right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I um, I came to that real... That was a very iffy way of putting it, it was it, <laughs> That's all right. They, they are like my digital children. Uh, uh, as someone with actual children, I, I can say that. you got to uh, do one, did not you? Yeah, yeah. He's three months old. I guess he's almost four months old now. Wow. But, um, yeah, thank you very much. It's a lot of fun. Uh, oh, but I, I came to this realization because I had my podcast course, and then I had uh, the Done For You podcasting service on two different sites, um, <coughs> Podcast Liftoff and then Ship Your po- uh, ShipYourPodcast.com, which I thought was a great brand. Um, and then I thought, why Why are these two different sites? They're basically the same content, uh, and it just depends on what the person wants. So um, sometimes I'll like shoot first and, and then aim uh, but I've been trying to be a lot more deliberate about reeling all of that into so that uh, when I introduce myself. People aren't like, "Wow, you do a lot." They're like, "Oh, I understand what you do." Well, you do do a lot, so that's the. Um, so, are you
1: still actively teaching as well? I know in the corona, you're probably not doing it face to face, but are you? You're still active in the education. Plus, doing all this—is that correct,
2: Joe? Uh, I have not taught in higher ed in a couple of semesters. Right. Um, I want to do that again, probably after the the corona stuff is over. Um, instead, I've I've focused on developing courses for LinkedIn Learning. So yes. Um, so that's that's where my, I guess, prof- uh, I don't want to say professional teaching because I I teach professionally on my own platform, but my non Joe Casabona platform teaching. Yes. Is going over to LinkedIn. So have
1: you been collaborating at all with Morton at all? Or have you met him at all? Because he's a personal friend of mine.
2: Oh, yeah. Morton uh, is the one who got me in. I messaged him. This was like a slow play. I messaged him like uh, in like 2016 or 2017. I was like, how do I teach at LinkedIn Learning? And he was like, "You really got to think about what you want to teach." And I'm like, "Okay." So I I let it stew a little bit, and then he made an introduction to uh, his content manager at WordCamp US 2018, Um, and I've been working with them ever since. And it's been it's improved my personal process, but it's also that's also a nice um, that's a nice way to kind of fence in some of my teaching, right? Because I love teaching programming but I want creator courses to, to focus less on programming, I can throw all of my programming courses over to LinkedIn Learning. So like uh, Learning PHP is a course I just developed for them. And then uh, kind of like an auxiliary course called PHP for WordPress, where it's like just enough to program on WordPress um, and custom post types and advanced custom fields and all sorts of really fun stuff over there. So it's, it's nice. It's, that, that is a very clear audience that I have over there. Um, so I guess ideally what I would do is my students, when they're, like, ready to start learning programming, I would send them to LinkedIn Learning. Right, that's a great. Fantastic. Yeah, I think you're doing a great job there.
1: And Morton, like I say, Morton's a personal friend of mine, and he's just a great guy. He's one of the top people I know in the WordPress. Well, he's trying to divorce himself a bit from WordPress a bit for understandable reasons but he's just a fantastic guy so um we're going to go for our break folks when we come back we're going to be talking about joe's book yes he's written a book he is he loves his punishment this guy uh um and we'll be talking about some other things we'll be back in a few moments folks
0: are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's WP-Tonic, just like the podcast.
1: We're coming back. Got Joe on the show, friend of the show, does amazing content. I don't know, he does it all. Um, so there we go. I thought I, I thought I produced... Well, what I like about you is because you're just a machine and I thought I produce a fair bit of content during the week but you you outdo me, so uh, I'll give you full marks. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I've also forgotten to plug one of our sponsors. Um, before we, um, we go any further, I want to mention Groundhog. Groundhog is a native CRM system, like Active Campaign, Drip. There's a number of them, but they're mostly SaaS-based. This is a native plugin. And it, if you're looking for a more cost-effective way to do your marketing optimization on your wordpress website have a look at groundhog they are they offer much better value than the leading SaaS competition um so go over to groundhog have a look at what they got to offer tell them that you heard about them on the wp tonic show and buy one of their packages that really helps the show so joe book so That's another thing. I can um, not imagine writing a book, A, because I suffer from a suffering. I don't like to use that word, have a little bit of um, dyslexia. And secondly, I've been told it's it's painful. Uh, It's really like, it's more painful than pulling teeth, I've been told. So why did you decide to write a book? And it's around coding. Why... Did you think, um, you know, you're already doing Linda and that. What what did you think people would gain writing this book and
2: and producing it, Joe? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So first I will put writing a book in the same uh, category as I do running a half marathon, which I've run a couple of, though I don't look like I can do that. Um, oh, run is generous. Jog is, is more like it. Um, so, uh, doing a half marathon or planning a a word camp, uh, it is a lot of pain during the process, followed by just like this huge uh, endorphin hit when you finish. Um, so, I would categorize the book as the same way. So, I've always had aspirations to write a book. Uh, I wrote my first one in 2011. It was called. Um, Building WordPress themes from scratch that was published by Invato, um, and the reason I did that is because I I under I learned I should say that if you want to get published by a a, a, a true book publisher right uh, you need to have already published a book which is kind of like saying an entry level position requires three to five years experience right. Um, so I did that book, and then shortly after, I had an idea for a book called Responsive, the- uh, Responsive Design for WordPress, um, and it was a book all about that. I reached out to Peach Pit, who uh, that publisher and their books personally taught me a lot about WordPress uh, and web development, I should say. I, like, I'm a web developer because of their books. So I reached out, and I said, are you interested in this? They said yes. That book came out in 2013. And then last year, which feels like a hundred years ago, uh, in March of 2019, I reached out to my publisher and I said, uh, "Hey, responsive themes with WordPress is like a responsive design with WordPress is like six years old. Maybe we should do like a a second edition." And my my editor got back to me very candidly and said, "People in the WordPress space don't buy books." Uh, And I said, "Understood." Uh, And then she said, but we do have a, um, we need a ninth edition of our HTML and CSS book. Are you interested in that? The current author does not want to write that, the ninth edition. And I thought more basic uh, than WordPress uh, as far as audience appeal goes, right? It's less niched than WordPress is. Uh, It's the ninth edition, so it does well. And this has a good opportunity to be taught in the classroom. So. I agreed. So, so I guess to answer your—that was a very long way to not answer your question. Um, oh, you, you,
1: you, you're probably aware of, of some of my uh, questions, though
2: Stephen is. <laughs> um the the uh, the reason I wrote the book is because it is an exercise in authority building, right? Because now my name is on the printed page, which uh, gives me authority that you might not get from just producing your own online courses. Uh, It has the ability to be taught in the classroom. I actually taught HTML and CSS in the classroom. So I got to write the book that I would have wanted to use while teaching. Uh, And then it's an extra revenue stream, to be frank, right? Like they, you know, they pay you in advance and then as well, as long as the book does well, you start to get royalty checks. And as, as somebody who's self-employed. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're very smart, yeah, like book yeah. publishers where they'll, you know, they, they have a, a big formula, but this book has a lot of appeal that I think actually might give me the opportunity to have, um, uh, royalties come in. And as, as somebody who's self-employed, having a diverse set of income streams is super important. Um, and I'll just say one more thing, uh, when the responsive design for WordPress book came out, uh, that endorphin hit was like recurring because I would go to WordCamps and I would meet people who were like, "I read your book and it's so great." And I'm like, "Oh, this is really nice." And I'm I fail horribly when people rain comments on me, but um, or compliments on me, but uh, uh, it's 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 a really good feeling to know that something that I put so much time and effort into has had a positive impact on somebody.
1: Was it a very extensive proofreading? What's the proofreading process? Because I've been told, especially a technical book, especially around coding, I've been told by other people that have published books in that particular area, that's
2: painful in its own right. Yeah. Uh, so here's how the process works. Um, High-level overview. I write the outline and then I write a chapter and that goes to my my main copy editor, and he rips it to shreds uh, and then sends it to a technical editor, a technical copy editor. Uh, and the particular technical editor I I worked with seems to have uh, read the entirety of MDN, um, the the Mozilla Developer Network documentation, because uh, he knew when I stated something incorrectly from those docs. Um so he would do that. Then I would go back to my copy editor. He would once it over and send it back to me. Uh, that was the most frustrating part because, uh, and but also I should sure. say frustrating, but important, right? Yeah. Because we yeah. restructured chapters and, and, the book is better because of that. Well, it, the, you know, I was a
1: front end developer a few years ago. I haven't actively developed for the past four, or five years. I only dabble on my own website properties. I've got a whole crew that do does proper development. Uh, um, but when I, you know, when I was learning you know, I was learning through books and Linda, But there's nothing worse than you're trying to learn from a book and it's got syntax faults.
2: yeah there's nothing worse is there yeah absolutely so that process and you know like I structured things a certain way that were probably better for say video right but um but then we wanted to make it more comprehensive and and more explanation and this was for like the beginner beginner like we basically uh assumed that the reader didn't know what a computer was. Uh, I once, I once uh, emailed I I won't mention the actual author
1: of a particular popular WordPress um, development book, uh, and I, and I said, "This is this this is obviously text problems, and the code doesn't work." need to well, email me back, Jody, so It's part of the learning process.
2: Okay, nah, <laughs> nope. And that was another, that was another great thing about my, my copy editor was he would actually do the code. His job must have been extremely hard because he had to like deal with my grasp of the English language, uh, and then also like write all the code, um, And he would be like, this is not working for me. And then I'd have to like troubleshoot some of it. But again, that whole process. And then after I did it, he would reread it, rewrite some sections, send it to a second editor, blah, blah, blah. Um, So I think like four or five other people looked at it um, by the time it was ready to go to print. Uh, And again, it was a long process, but a really important one, because I'm hoping, uh, I am hoping that I don't, you know, I have an errata page uh, on on the website, right? Uh, yeah. Just corrections. It says this; it should say that. I'm hoping I don't have to do any. I'm, I'm hoping I don't have to fill that out at all. So, oh well. Thanks <laughs> to spot. you, Stephen.
3: Yeah. What uh, with all this, this book writing stuff going on, and like you started with kind of WordPress, and now you've moved a little bit more into just co- some code stuff, but also um, like some other ancillary sort of things around that and around just building podcasts and businesses and stuff. Um, what what was your trajectory through all of this? Like, where did you start and kind of how did you get to where you are now? And what's your vision and where are you going
2: from there? Ah, oh, wow. But yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so I... Uh, I knew I always was interested in computers from like a, uh, from a pretty young age. I was interested in my dad's laptop and then we eventually got a family computer and I would tinker. And uh, like my first successful side hustle was making mixed CDs for people because we had, we had like DSL. uh, So I was able to download music quickly and then burn them on. I also had like one of the first CD burners of people in my age. So um, I always liked that. And my church reached out to me when I was, like, 14 or 15. My dad was on the parish council, I think, at that time. But they reached out to me. They're like, Joe, you're good with computers. Um, can you make us a website? And I was like, I don't know how to make websites. And they said, we'll pay you $200. And I was like, yeah, yeah I, sure. Uh, I can learn. I can learn that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I got a a educational version of Microsoft front page. Uh, and I made my first. They were the good old days, weren't they, Joe? I know. I know. Um, And I loved it. I was like this, you know, I get to like flex like my, uh, my more logical side of of my brain and but I also get to flex like the creative side of my brain a little bit. Um, And I really loved the process. And so I'm like, I'm going to make a business out of this. And I reached out to uh, everybody I knew who had a business and I was like, do you need and this was around like 2000 2001, I should say do you need a website? And people were like, oh, yeah, I do. So I'm like, $200. And somebody was like, you don't charge enough. And I was like, $500? dollars And they're like, <laughs> okay. Um, I had some really good people in my life to make sure that I was charging what I was worth and stuff like that. So um, I loved it. I, I went to college for computer science. I learned I was very, very bad at math. And so I picked a major that allowed me to still study computer science. I have my master's in software engineering, but I never took calculus. Um, yeah, which is like engineering friends are like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I abused the system. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I look for shortcuts. Um, throughout my well, funny
1: enough, We got very similar backgrounds because when I did, I did my degree as a mature student and then I did my master's, um, in act, interactive design. Um, but my um, degree was in um, multimedia and computer science and I managed to, because I, I couldn't do calculus.
2: I uh, yeah. I, um, I just couldn't handle that. Yeah, it was tough because I like, I dropped the class, but my teacher was such a great teacher, Dr. Anthony Frizzola. He was amazing. Yeah. If you're listening, Dr. Frizzola. Uh, when I dropped the class, I I handed him the paperwork and I said, it's not you, it's me. Like, I actually <laughs> said those words. Um, but since then, uh, I remained self-employed throughout all of grad school and, like, the first year after grad school. And then I realized I needed insurance, like, health insurance. Uh, and I got a job at my alma mater uh, in the IT department. Uh, and so through there, I worked as a web developer and I taught. And then I got a job at a WordPress agency. Uh, and after my daughter was born, I realized that the agency life is a young man's game, somebody without kids uh, or somebody whose kids are grown, right? Uh, but I did not want to have sleepless nights or work and and you know, like miss my kid's first word or something like that. So I decided to go uh, the full-time self-employment route. I've been doing that ever since. Uh, my plans for the future, uh, I want to get more into content creation. I really want to focus up my offerings. Cause at first I was like, I'll just do anything for anybody who is willing to give me money. And that's a bad spot to be in. I don't want to trade hours for dollars anymore. I have two kids now. Um, and with everything going on, my wife is a full-time nurse. So mm-hmm. uh, on days that she's at the hospital, mm-hmm. I'm not working. I want to make sure that I, I build a machine that doesn't require me to be there all the time. So um, my online courses and my membership, uh, hopefully, will will uh, you shouldn't say hope in business. The, the, my plan is say yes. by the end of uh, 2021, I'll be fully on this membership and and um, products model, and maybe my wife can drop down part time. I, I I know she wants to do that, so um, that's my that's my longest term goal right now. Oh, they they're great reasons to pursue
1: your business, Joe. We're going to wrap up. The um, the half hour goes quick, doesn't it? Um, we're going to wrap up the podcast part of the show. Joe's going to stay on for another 12, 15 minutes. Um, we're going to be talking um, a bit about modern um, front-end development, um, what you need to know, what skills you need. Um, Joe's a fantastic educator, knows his stuff. It should be a fantastic um, discussion. You can watch that, um, plus this part of the show the entirety on the youtube channel the w p tonic youtube channel go over there subscribe um we've got tons of content on there got over i think about five hundred and fifty videos on the w p tonic youtube channel so go over there subscribe so joe um how what's the best what what's the best places
2: for people to learn more about you and your offerings? you can go to casabona.org slash start. That's casabona.org slash start. It kind of breaks up what I do into three sections, and then you can continue to pursue uh, the one that interests you most. That's great. And Stephen, where's
1: the best place to find out more about you and what you're up to?
3: Yeah, head over to zipfish.io, and you can learn how we optimize both the server and the code on your sites to make it blazing fast.
1: That's great. And if you really want to support the show, go over to YouTube and give us a review. That really does help the show. It can be a two-star, three-star, whatever you want to give the show, but um, your feedback and support is much appreciated. We'll be back next week with another fantastic guest like Joe. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.